0: As always, it's Darren from Hackjob here, and today I'm joined by Tom Portingale, Senior Employer Branding Marketing Manager at Nationwide. Do you want to introduce yourself, Tom?
1: Darren, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, So yeah, my name's Tom Portingale, uh, and I work for Nationwide Building Society, and I run Employer Brand Marketing for the society.
0: Amazing. So do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and how you've got into your role? So maybe a little bit of backstory on yourself, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, pleased to share. It's slightly unusual, I guess, as well, because um, I'm not actually from a, from a resource and recruitment TA background. Um, I'm actually a trained journalist by trade. Um, Interesting. And yeah, something a bit different. Uh, so by coming through um, busy press offices, I then um, left the paper world and came into corporate world uh, in the form of um, media relations and external relations and public policy um and also uh consumer brand marketing as well so i i fell into employer brand marketing um not by accident it's, it's always been a really interesting area for me um you know uh, a lot of the work that i've done has been around corporate strategies hmm. and you know i was always saying to people it's crazy because you can't have a successful corporate strategy unless it's underpinned by a really successful people strategy right. and you know that's the that's really where I see the opportunity in employer brand marketing
0: yeah, I was going to say it's quite an interesting story because I didn't know that about y- yourself that that's the route you you came through so I, I guess what was the what was the passion about moving into that because it's it's a big change but you're not actually the only person that I've spoken to recently that's gone into employer branding as a specialism that came from journalism so where, where did the interest lie from there?
1: I mean a big change i guess yeah in terms of area of business but not a big change i don't think when it comes to sort of the methodologies and the science and the activation so you know typically how i would have looked to engage with a journalist um you know you'd go through the same process with how you would engage with a consumer those activation steps and the way that you were trying to you know effectively take someone from uh, from an awareness stage to uh, in this case an application stage for employer brand um, you know, it's it's an applied science in other areas um, of, uh, of the marketing communications mix. Um, it's being done really well, I think, in employer brand marketing, but I do think it can be done better. And that was one of the uh, incentives for coming in. Um, it's not to say that, you know, consumer brand marketing uh, or, or media relations PR um, is superior to employer brand marketing. Far from it. Uh, but the, the, the applied science of how you would engage with a candidate, is, as I said, no different to how you'd engage with a consumer. Um, so that was you know, really the, you know, what piqued my interest in terms of trying to um, you know, take that applied science, use those methodologies and put them into the employer brand marketing space.
0: So obviously you work at Nationwide. Um, I don't think we were expecting it when we launched this podcast series, but we're hitting places like Guatemala and uh, Costa Rica <laughs> and Italy and New Zealand and Hong Kong. So uh, I guess for those that don't know Nationwide, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're the world's largest building society. Um, we've got over 15 million members. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the work uh, Nationwide do?
1: Absolutely. Love to tell people in Guatemala what Nationwide do as well. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we were we were formed actually over 130 years ago, um, basically out of a social purpose. So um, it, it, it was born um, simply um, to bring ordinary working people together so that they could help each other save uh, for their futures and buy a house of their own. It's as simple as that. And um, and the work that we were doing then, guess what, it's still as prominent as it is today. So. We are slightly different. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, we're a building society, so we do operate a little bit differently to, to, to your standard banks. So uh, we don't have shareholders, for example. Um, so because we don't pay dividends, we're able to essentially reinvest those profits back into nationwide, um, really for the benefit of, as you said, our 15 million customers or members, as we call them. So we are run um, on their behalf uh, and, and run for our members. Um, so whilst we operate, like most high street banks, you know, current accounts, savings, mortgages, uh, as a member-led and member-owned organization with a social purpose at heart, um, we are very different. And I think that naturally flows through in terms of, you know, who we are and and, and the culture that exists and um, and, and, and I guess the service that we're trying to provide. Yes, we've got the same products that high street banks provide, but our ethos is very different to to how those um, typical uh, institutions might operate.
0: Yeah, and I found that fascinating when we, uh, when we spoke last week that I wasn't aware of, the, of that where Nationwide had come from as a business, looking after those kind of social aspects. I completely agree that it's, uh, it's a little bit worrying, but we are seeing the same thing now that we would have seen 100 years ago, Where and probably a little bit worse now that um, people of the, the generation that uh, myself and you as well come from Lots of of them won't be able to afford a house because of how that housing market is taken off and the price of of buying houses, especially here in London. Um, so I think it, it's incredible that looking at wh- why you guys started, that that's still a problem we see.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so scary and I, I can, you know, sort of bring it to life 130 years later So Shelter, who uh, are one of our charity partners, so um, Shelter, a very well-known housing um, charity that uh, obviously tries to help people have a place fit, um, you know, to to call home. Um, Their research um, has shown that I think it's every 11 minutes someone, um, someone gets repossessed in the UK. So their house gets repossessed. So that just shows you how acute the housing crisis is. Um, and as prevalent as it was 130 years ago, it's just as important now. So that social purpose and making sure that everyone has a place fit to, to call home is is still, you know, a, a major, major mission for, for Nationwide. Uh,
0: and I guess talking about the, the social aspects of how the business came about and what you guys are all about from an ethical perspective there's obviously some amazing things you're doing right now because of the um the covid situation so it'd be great to understand some of the uh, changes you guys have made to help your your customer base
1: yeah um lots of lots of changes to support um customers members and, and and also our staff but um if if i just give you um a bit of a flavor so in terms of um from a customer level you know, there's lots of people who have been impacted, be it be it through furlough, be it through redundancy, who naturally have been worrying about things such as paying their mortgage. You know, these are these are major issues for 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 people at the moment. Um, so we introduced uh, payment holiday um, processes so that um, people felt that they um, wouldn't have the pressure of of, of needing to um, pay their mortgage during this period if they were affected. Um, we also made a commitment that uh, no homes would be repossessed as a result of um, of, of coronavirus. So again, further peace of mind for for, for customers who. I guess have hit financial hardship during this period. Um, We've also uh, done lots of stuff as well uh, for our staff. Um, So uh, we we committed to that there will be no voluntary redundancies this year. Uh, We've increased, for example, our paid volunteering from two to five days uh, Mm -hmm. for coronavirus related uh, volunteering. So what we try to do is, is make sure that, you know, going back to that social purpose and that, I guess the the power of the collective that we're stronger together than we are individually. It's it's been at the forefront to to make sure that both our members and our 17,000, 18,000 staff uh, are looked after um, during this um, really, really tricky period.
0: Yeah. And and we'll, we'll kind of get onto it a little bit further later, but I'm very much of the belief of what you do short term to not just support your staff, but show what you're doing to support the um, the, the wider market is always going to pay off in, in dividends late down the line.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you can't fudge these things. I mean, I, I think people know um, and they smell a rat very quickly if something's disingenuous and the decisions um, that Nationwide made and, um, you know, I think really do talk to the sort of the culture and the values and the, and, and the heritage that the, the organisation was born out of. And, and those those virtues, as I said, are not just... Um, you know I guess ever present now but probably even more important now
0: yeah and I I think we're in an incredible time right now where uh, and I said it to you last week that we if you'd said to me at the start of 2019 so obviously Brexit is something that's been happening for several years now I remember when it was all all announced but last year it kind of came to the forefront and we're now going through it as a nation and then you obviously got the the um uh the black lives matter stuff going on at the moment and you've got Mm, COVID. mm. so i I think what's really interesting is that companies need to look at not just what are we going to do right in this moment to um to to show that we're all for this it's about how can we in the future think more long term so that when a crisis does hit we're being we've already been proactive we're not just being reactive to the to the crisis that's hit
1: absolutely agree with that yeah and and it and it should come naturally so you know from an employer brand sense um you know this is where your evp your employer value proposition um really comes in and and hopefully um you know as i said culturally um and and ethos wise all of those um behaviors um that you as an organization have shown you know pre-covid uh pre-pandemic pre um you know geez how many issues we're facing in the world at the moment as you said with things that were, racial inequality all of these things social inequality that we've touched on um hopefully um yeah if if um if you've been walking the walk for a while then you know you can talk the talk and people will understand that but people will very quickly see through that thin veneer if that's um disingenuous
0: i think it's really interesting um, that you can look at, at businesses and they're coming out with all the, the great stuff. Now, But if you look back 18 months, two years, you can look at something that they've, they've done in the past and say, well, that's not how, considering how long you've run as a business, that doesn't seem to have always been part of your, your ethos, or even like recent ethos. So something that you're coming out right with right now, is this true to your nature? And then you look at someone like a, like a gym shark that, um, the reason they've grown so quickly is that they've got a very clear EVP that not just um, the staff buy into, but the wider market again buys into that because it's very clear what they're trying to do.
1: Yeah, and and Gymshark's a great example. I, I love the stuff that those guys are doing, and and you know the sense of community uh, and the community that they're building. Um, I mean, I, I think yeah, I mean they're a really good example of. I guess those companies whose values and culture pre-crisis, you know, which didn't deviate, but actually have probably been accentuated during this period, those are the brands which consumers and, and candidates alike will probably gravitate towards. So, I, I think my message, you know, I certainly I've been saying this internally, is that you, know, you you've got to start, I, I guess, stay strong and um, and and stay true to your roots as well. I think that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, you, you said that um, when we when we spoke last week that it's it's all about having a stance and and being true to yourselves because like you say you don't want to fudge it and say okay this is our stance because this is where the market is going at the moment companies need to look internally and look at themselves and go okay what is our stance on on this where do we want the message to be because i thought what you you said to me is is quite interesting that you said that companies can't really hide right now the companies need to <laughs> Yeah, giving some indication about what your stance is. Absolutely
1: right. Yeah. So you know, for 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 me, uh, brand invisibility is not a strategy for long term success. It's really important um, that you maintain a a meaningful voice. And you know, consumers, candidates alike, as as you know, um, I don't see a distinction. They've both got high expectations from what companies like Nationwide are doing now, I guess, as as a way of fulfilling their responsibilities. So, um, And I think that's where probably some brands have uh, naturally um, struggled to navigate this period because uh, by essentially, um, you know, drawbridge um, up mindset. and I guess having that, 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 um, that uh, invisibility it might seem like a sensible option, but people don't want brands to stop advertising. It's just um, you've got to be sensitive around what you're saying and how you're saying it. So it's not about exploiting or, or being insensitive to the situations that we've faced over the last few months. But there's fantastic opportunities to, to show, for example, in an employer brand uh, perspective, you know, how how is it that you're actually supporting your staff how are you helping your customers and the communities in which you serve and i you know utterly convinced that the brands that are standing out are those which are stepping up darren so um and and then you know you, you mentioned in terms of sort of like the long the long play on this the the investment that you put in now will pay for itself and some i think after this um this turbulent period whenever that finishes
0: amazing um going, going back to nationwide uh, i know mm. that you've done some great things from a chatbot perspective, which is a, an area that from a tech <laughs> tech uh, perspective, we're seeing more and more with with companies and you obviously brought out Artie helping with the, the customer queries. So it'd be interesting for you to, to talk through that for us.
1: Yeah, re- really good uh, example of innovation that you know in the cold face when 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 something needs to be done to support customers um, and there's a real pressing need and urgency to to, to create something. Um, it shows you that there's no better time to innovate than during a crisis. So, yeah. Arty, um just for, for for people that don't know, Arty, uh is Nationwide's first ever chatbot. Uh, so it helps our our customers, our members. Um, by answering questions that they uh, might have had, for example, about their mortgage journey. Mm. So normally, pre-COVID, um, RT was typically answering about four to 500 uh, inquiries per week from, from customers. But since coronavirus, we noticed that that jumped to over 1,000 inquiries a day. So um, what we also did during that period was, um, you know, I mentioned, for example, about the the mortgage holiday um, process that we implemented to support customers um, we actually uh, had our mortgage and our tech teams who were behind RT join forces um, and and actually um, to enhance the actual chatbot um, and I think to date, I, I checked just before I came online, Darren, but um, they've already, RT has already answered over 10,000 queries via online chat. So, um, and, the, and I think that the best thing about this innovation was that this enhancement was built, tested, and rolled out in just four days. So um, that tech project team who worked in collaboration with an area of the business that typically they wouldn't have normally worked with yeah. has had a really positive effect but it's also helped frontline colleagues in our branches and in our contact centers by freeing up hundreds of hours to deal with for them to deal with more complex queries so a really lovely example of um, innovation at pace and its scale um, but with a tangible benefit to, to to customers to members who are really really seeking them um, this support at this moment in time.
0: I love chatbots, if I'm honest. I think the chatbots are um, are this generation's version of what happened from a, like a Ford perspective, from a manufacturing yeah. perspective over 100 years ago. That it's something that people were scared that machines were gonna, gonna take uh, over roles, but really what the chatbots are doing, like you say, is is innovating so that it's the more complex queries that a, a computer couldn't answer that are then put on the, the front line staff. And I also think it's it's great what Nationwide are doing right now to bring different colleagues together from different um, spaces of business. I think that oftentimes you'll see in a company that uh, uh, di- divisions in that company are very mm-hmm. small, So there's not much knowledge share going around. Whereas in reality, there's a, there's so much knowledge in in one division compared to to another because like you said the frontline staff are gonna know exactly what the customer is thinking because they deal with them on a daily basis and the tech team are gonna know exactly what they can do from a tech perspective so stuff isn't decisions aren't being made blindly which I think the yeah can do pitfall and fall into.
1: I, I really endorse that and then and, and, and hopefully that's a positive legacy that will come out of this you know in terms of from a ways of working perspective in that collaborative spirit and you know I mentioned for example about the um, the, the, the mortgage holiday uh, extension so just, you know that stuff doesn't just happen so that was another example where it was a cross-functional nationwide team um, led by people in our in our technology space and that end-to-end online payment holiday journey was literally created in six days, which is an unreal turnaround. And um, uh, we're very fortunate. We've got very strong um, ways of working uh, department um, in, in nationwide. And, and I know that they attributed that, that really fast turnaround um, on, on that new functionality. Um, it was, you know, they basically said it was made possible by the open, openness of, of, um, of video platform sprint reviews So we use teams at Nationwide, Um, some organizations I know probably using Zoom, but, you know, everyone uh, was open on those sprint reviews. It was delivered all through remote working and modern tech. And, you know, it just shows you the the, the power of not only collaboration, but if you can get the right tech in place as well and you can enable your people to create these innovations, then, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that an end-to-end online payment holiday journey. It doesn't sound like much, but um, for something like that to be built in six days was, was a mightily impressive feat, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I utterly agree. And um, you, based on that, you seem to be um, keeping a lot of the staff happy because I saw a uh, an article um, yesterday that was talking about the, the 100 best companies to work for and you've been in it six years in a row. Uh, and for, I, I also looked at Glassdoor and your Glassdoor is on 731 reviews you've got 4.2 which um if people aren't aware of the the uh, glass door scoring that's an incredible um number and i'm sure you want to get that higher but for that to be a st- <laughs> yeah. is great so it seems like you're doing it's something-,
1: something um yeah it's, it's something we're, we're really proud of but do you know what darren i think uh, you know, come bring it back on, on an employer brand level Um, Nationwide might not be the place for everyone and that's okay. So, you know, um, a company that's founded upon a social purpose that really is all about, as I said, the power of the collective and helping the communities in which we serve. um, It could, you know, I appreciate for some people that might sound a bit kumbaya um, and maybe if they want to get into financial services, um, you know, it might be an investment bank or another option might be more more suitable but but that's okay and, and i'm comfortable with that i mean we, we um we receive just under a hundred thousand applications per year um so you know we we get an awful lot of applications but the main thing is is trying to attract talent that uh, you know shares those cultures and values um and is happy to um, you know help to build our society as well uh, as in nationwide building society um it's not for everyone uh, but i think as you said and it's borne out through things like the glass door scores and reviews is that the people that actually come in and work for nationwide and the people that we already have working for nationwide really understand you know the benefit of what they're trying to do to help customers help the members and help the communities in which um in which those people live and be it through simple current or savings accounts or mortgages or through bigger community initiatives like community grants and charity donations um yeah it, it's a great place to be um and and yeah the, I, I think our ceo would like um his uh his rating to be slightly higher um and that's something for for us i guess from an employer brand point of view is to is to to keep spreading spreading that gospel really and and some people will buy into it and and some people won't and you know i'm okay with that
0: yeah i I think i I think your point is very valid uh and i i what i would echo on that is that i wouldn't necessarily say that some people being interested in other businesses is is a bad thing i think that if people are declining you because of something around what you guys do from a technology perspective, like you say, they might be interested in investment banks, they might be interested in startups, or I don't know, uh, interested in gaming or something like that. If people would turn you down because of that, that's something you guys can't do a huge amount about. But if it's because of something that is uh, perceived about the business, that's when companies need to probably take a step back and say, okay, we're, people are not interested in us because of something that they're seeing from a, from a brand perspective. And why are people not interested in us from that? So I, I think the fact that that doesn't seem to be the case with you guys, people don't seem to be turned off by what you do internally and how the, the staff are treated is is a great thing to to look at.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, whether you're... Um in a crisis like we are at the moment or out of a crisis how you um it's really important that obviously um you act with honesty but also that you communicate with honesty and when i think about for example you know lots of um of, of uh, the podcast audience base will be technologists so you know nationwide is nowhere near as developed as uh, some organizations from a from a tech uh, perspective but we're on a journey um that we started a couple of years ago that's um, you know, and we put our money where our mouth is with a multi-million pound, um, multi-billion pound rather investment into that space. Um, but we're building from the ground up. And I think that you know, we've been quite honest and open with technologists to say, look, you know, you've got the tools, um, we'll provide you with um, with the environment or we'll provide you with the support and also give you the opportunity to, you know, I've cited a few examples about where you can actually make tangible innovations that are seen by customers. Um, you know, that's something that we can offer. Um, and, um, and I think you just got to be honest about it really. So whether you're, as I said, during COVID or outside of COVID, it's really important. It it comes back to that, that mantra of you've got to be yourself and and people um, will very quickly, um, smell a rat if, if what you're promising or prophesizing isn't actually the reality of of what the organization is.
0: Yeah. And, um, this, this next question kind of builds on what you said then. So, from a from your perspective why do you think a solid employer brand is so important especially in in this time
1: yeah well i think so so for me um one one bit where employer brand tends to fall down is is having a really strong salient strategy so i know that's a bit of a, a, a marketing term so but in so in short it's essentially how is your employer brand thought about or noticed uh, when a candidate for example is job seeking so employer brands with a really strong salient strategy you know those are the ones which are making the cut through so and it comes back to this um this uh this belief that you know obviously um actions speak louder than words and i think that's one thing that the black lives matter movement has thrown up that um you know a content strategy for argument's sake can get you so far but it's decisive action that people are looking for so um i think that um from an employer brand point of view we've got a real opportunity um but at the same time don't don't forget your salience strategy. Um, if you can get that right, then as I said, you'll you'll build advocacy um, during lockdown in terms of what you're about, but hopefully you're um, also um, by advocacy for when we come out this period when people are looking around and saying what were the organisations that really stood up and which were the organisations that really, um, you know, walked the walk and taught the talk as well.
0: Yes, so... Um... I, you you're obviously looking at from a nationwide perspective and we've obviously spoken about gymshark is there any other examples of companies that you think got their employer brand nailed on that are doing some great things that people should probably look at
1: i have i've seen some lovely examples and you're right and i i don't think gymshark probably get enough enough credit for what they're what they've actually done but um and I'm not I, I'm not a buyer of Jim products, but I, I think that it, it certainly you know um, opened my eyes in terms of who they are and what they represent. Um, and um, I think Airbnb is probably another really um, good good example. But ironically, not from a position of strength like Jim Shark, uh, but the complete opposite. So many people have seen that um, Airbnb had to make um, a number of their staff uh, unfortunately made redundant um, a few weeks ago. But the way that the CEO communicated that, oh, my goodness, no. I'd probably say it's probably the best uh, change communication that I've read this year. And I think why why it's so good is because it's a brilliant example of authenticity. So even in delivering bad news, the way that they did it, the way that they structured it, and I, I, I urge everyone to, to, to read the actual statement that they produced. And what they actually offered in terms of support for those staff that they were were making redundant to the point where, you know, even making them shareholders so that they had a vested interest in the business, even though they weren't going to continue to work for Airbnb. I thought that was a fantastic example of how even in the face of strong adversity, how you, how you can really, um, transcend the strong employer brand. And, and certainly, um, you know, it it makes business sense because of the way that they've looked after their staff will probably, um, you know gain them plaudits from their customers as well who hopefully won't protest vote you know when airbnb are are back up and running again but i thought that for me darren was was a really good example um of an organization who faced with a crisis and faced with tough decisions um was still able to communicate clearly and coherently and and you know i'll be frank you know i think i've come out smelling the roses for, for it
0: yeah, I, I I agree. I'm, I'm a customer that uses them whenever I go to the, um whenever I go to the States, I very rarely use hotels now. And as a, as a, uh, a frequent customer, you look at them and go, okay, they are an ethical business that I want to keep spending my money with. And you can just see via all the LinkedIn messages that are going out that them and uh, them and deliver the two that. I really see that the staff is still saying every good word about them because like you say, it's not been the ideal moment that they've had to let go of a, a lot of staff for for the crisis reasons, but actually they've supported their staff afterwards. They've not just let their staff go and then thought, OK, let's move on. They've created an atmosphere that means that the staff walk away feeling supported and feel, feeling like they're still part of the family, even though, unfortunately, times have changed.
1: Yeah, they've, they've done a fantastic job. Um, and yes, there's been examples of organisations who maybe haven't quite got it quite right. I mean, I think everyone who's listened to this call will probably have had um, you know, emails or inbox mails into their LinkedIn of, of companies trying to sell them um, stuff and seize upon the moment um, during COVID. And I, I think you know, how how you act, and I know it sounds simplistic and it sounds obvious, but how you act now, whether it's delivering good news, um, or bad news. Um, as I said, it's really important that not only you act in with honesty, but you're communicating with honesty as well.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I guess build on that, that point. I agree with what you've said there that I, I don't think companies can stop selling companies need to sell in the right way it can't just be i've personally seen one um in the last couple of weeks with someone reaching out and saying uh something along the lines of if you don't buy the product off us we'll go out of business and it's like you shouldn't guilt trip someone into making decisions you should already have a a good enough um proposition that the company wants to keep you on as a as a supplier and that's not the kind of way you should go about it so i think the companies. Probably need to look at their sales strategy and go. Okay, what are we offering our customers right now that maybe short term isn't something that we are going to make huge profits off, but in reality, it's something that they'll want to stay with us as a, as a customer.
1: Exactly, and I think you know, it, there's no coincidence that the brands who have come out, as I said, smelling a roses from this, uh, are probably the ones who have also done their research. And I know, again, that sounds like another simplistic, obvious thing but it's not. How many organisations have you seen who have effectively started talking without taking a mood board, doing a sense check with regards to the sentiment or the current feelings that people are feeling? And I think what's really important is that you need to, you, as that sentiment and as the mood changes, as for example, you know, we come out um, of the lockdown period, is a good example, you need to be on the front foot, you use the right word, being proactive in terms of adapting and changing that strategy. So for example, you, maybe you could be a bit more brazen in terms of your value proposition, but you, you've got to know and research, not only internally, what is it you're looking, trying to promote and push, yeah but also what's the appetite externally in your audience base um, for for what they want to hear. So, you you know, I know at the start of this process, um, I was looking at some really um, interesting research uh, from the likes of YouGov and Kantar um, to try and help validate some of our internal thoughts around how we should be communicating. And I think what you've got to do is you've got to take a test, learn and iterate approach. So... um, We, for example, said that we will um, start communicating only on LinkedIn, not Facebook and Twitter, because we didn't want to inadvertently overload our contact centers with with more calls than what they were getting. But we wanted to talk about what we were doing from a COVID response point of view on LinkedIn. Um, And we would would gauge the reaction. And if it wasn't right, um, then we we would very quickly change gears. But two months in, we've increased our follower Uh, account on our our nationwide LinkedIn page by 18%. Um, We're experiencing over 5% engagement on our posts. And we're now the second most engaged UK financial services brand on um, LinkedIn. Um, I'm really happy with that because that just shows that if you can get your content approach and you can get your method and your message right. And most importantly, as I said, there's definitive action that's underneath all of that. Um, then hopefully you, you're on to um, not a surefire success, but a way of at least um, a, a way of at least, I guess, riding this very difficult period and coming out with some really strong advocacy as well.
0: Yeah, and uh, I guess as a, a last topic, employee branding I think has been probably one of the areas within any business that has uh, you've seen come to the forefront during this crisis. And my hope would be that employer branding is something that every company is looking at in a little bit more depth than they probably were um, before 2020 started, let's be honest. Um, so I, what do you think is gonna be some of the innovations and what do you think will change in the talent acquisition uh, piece, looking at the, the scope of employer branding as we go forward?
1: it 's a really good question, and whilst i 'm not missed it meg um, and i can 't give any definitive uh, predictions but there there, there are some I, I think clear clear indicators, and I think one of them, particularly around um, uh, employee um, communications uh, and also um, uh, employee engagement as well is is really going to change i you know there 's been an awful lot of noise down around what the new normal is or should be. Um, or whether even that term itself is meaningless, um, and and I think that um, you know there will be changes to employee experience, and hopefully for the better. And I think it's those organisations um, who embrace that, um, whatever that new normal is, um, will be the ones who will benefit from this. Um, certainly from a you know from how their workforce might look um, or what they're actually doing in, in the longer term. Um, and I guess those organizations who think everything's going to go back to normal um, are going to be challenged more so, not only in attracting the, the right talent, but retaining uh, the talent that they've already
0: got. Yeah. And, so I, and I think that's an interesting point there on, on its own that you don't just want to look at employer branding for how are you going to attract the talent, it's how are you going to retain that talent? Because ultimately, if you're attracting 500 people, but you're, once they join the business, you, the business is not what they expect and, and suddenly 450 of them leave, really you're only bringing on 50 people and that's not going to change the dial. So I think companies need to look at um, what are we doing to the external market but also what are we doing to keep the, the team that we've already got there happy, which it's great to see just going back to the glass door point that Nationwide seems to be doing it really well.
1: Yeah, and, and if you get it wrong, Darren, it's quite simple. It hurts you twofold. It hurts you in, a, in high attrition. That's financially damaging for the business. But more so than that, it hurts you reputationally as well. Um, it will hurt you through um, areas like Indeed and Glassdoor, um, but it will also potentially, and I think this is where, where where employer brand people hopefully make the connection, but it could also hurt you commercially. So what you don't want, and you know, I'll use Nation1 as an example, I don't want people to, for example, um, I guess, come into something that isn't the reality because if they leave, not only are they leaving the organization with a poor, uh, you know, candidate experience, they might also protest vote in terms of, you know, mortgage renewal. Okay, I had a really bad time of Nationwide, and because of that, I'm going to protest vote, and I'm going to take my my mortgage business elsewhere. So I think you've also got to look at it through that lens as well. That um, it's not just a people experience, but commercially, it's really important as well that you get it right.
0: Definitely, and um, I guess that goes back Nationwide. It's a great example, but it also goes back to your. Your point on Airbnb that people um, vote with, with their cash a lot of the time. People aren't going to just stay with you because they've done it with you and they've done stuff with you in the past. Reputation is huge um, and yeah, it plays quite a lot on, on decisions I make. I, there's, um, there's one of the supermarkets that, um, that I have had a friend that works for that left and he left in a ba- really bad regard and it's meant that I, I very rarely shop there anymore. So if the, I'm the story of one person, in reality that extrapolates, and I talk to everyone about that, now. Yes. so it can have some right. damage. I agree,
1: and it, and it's a small world, isn't it? And again, going back to you know the audience base for this podcast, but, you know, it, 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 technologists, it, 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 it's a community where um, word gets out pretty quickly. So. Um, again it, it comes back to ironically it's magnified because of things like the pandemic and because of the social inequality issues that we're facing at the minute but um, how you treat your staff um, if, if it's not sincere and it's not um, it, it's not uh, genuine um, it's gonna it's really gonna hurt you and word will get out
0: agreed so uh, we've got to the end of the the podcast um, obviously I want to thank you so much Tom for coming on it's been really insightful where can people reach out to you? so I'm sure after this conversation, there's going to be a few people that have got further questions that just want to reach out and, and get your thoughts stuff. So where would be the best yeah, way?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, if, they, if, uh, if they want to delve a bit deeper into to Nationwide, then um, they can look at uh, nationwide-jobs.co.uk uh, to get a feel uh, for a bit more about the organisation. Um, if they want to reach out to me personally, uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well um so please um send me a request and you know for, for me um you know i'm not saying i've got all the answers far from it i, I think the thing with ebm is it's quite a subjective art now. so you know I, i'm really pleased to be able to have conversations with with people in this area who um who are invested in i guess trying to raise standards that's that's simply what i'm trying to do so um yeah it would be great to talk in a bit more detail um after the, after the podcast with people
0: Amazing. And if people want to reach out to myself or the HackerJob team um, with their own questions, feel free to reach out to hello at hackajob.co. Thanks again, Tom, for, um, for appearing on the, the podcast. I'd love to have you again in the future. Um, and thanks to our listeners.
1: No, pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dan.
0: Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.